Episode number 100. <laughs> Stand-up comedian Talon Saucerman is in the Springs. And it was just, it was bad. Like, not good at all. So there was a, you know, deep depression, which helps fuel the comedy. I need to write 40 minutes on hemorrhoids. Go. Oh, my God. This is the fans and the hookers. This is getting out of control. You know. Let's do this thing, Talon. Talon Sossman. In the Springs. Well, how are you, Ryan? I am well, Nice sir. to see you again. Likewise, right? It's oh. been like, I don't even know the last time. I'm sure it was some shitty bar gig somewhere you and I Finn, were. Finn McCool's, I think. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. You were right on the shitty bar part, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, I typically, I try to do a little research on the folks that I'm talking to, and you're kind of a man of mystery. There's not a lot yeah. of... Information out didn't there didn't pop up it. on Google. Huh? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you like your Facebook feed's pretty pretty tame, and yeah, I didn't even change addresses the last time that I moved just to keep the value flyers out of my mailbox. So, <laughs> nice. well, let's start with like your uh, your comedy history. I know you and I met. I don't know, ten years ago. Yeah, something like that. It would have been, uh, I don't remember if it was at the Comedy Works or if we were up at Wits End at the time. Could be probably Wits. I can't remember, though. Because that was where I kind of, that's where you used to cut your teeth. Yeah, yeah. You'd get on the Wednesday, uh, uh, the contest yeah, yeah. to see if you could be a feet or a, a head uh, opener who, up who there. Was the, who was the guy that ran that? Do you remember his name? I can't remember his name. His name was uh, Jay Benedict Brown. There you go. And he was... Um, they uh, were loved by all that worked there, to say the least. <laughs> I remember the manager was like, next time he's featuring, you have to come see him. I'm like, why? And they're like, you just have to. Yeah. And I was like, this is a guy that's critiquing all of your stage, uh, your, your stuff on stage. And then you go, you watch his material and you're like, this is the guy? Right. Like, what? Well, wasn't his big close, and not to rip on Jay Benedict Brown, but no. wasn't his closer some vanilla ice? Yeah, he did a, uh, Mice, Mice Baby. And I don't remember, it was, yeah, very rodent heavy <laughs> towards the end. <laughs> and and it was, uh, this would have been 2004, 2005. Something like that, yeah. Which I think uh, that song hit before Ninja Turtles 2, <laughs> which was the. Because his ninja. only other hit was the Go Ninjas, yeah. Until <laughs> he started building houses for the Amish, yeah. and then he took off again. But I don't know if he ever did any singing. Oh, that's great. Around their their heaters, I guess they have the electrical heaters, but that's all they get. Absolutely, and you but, know the wagons and all that kind yeah. of stuff. So yeah, yeah. So, so when did you get started in comedy? Do you remember when you got on stage the first time, and and I, why uh, you got on stage the first time? I was a uh, I was a bartender down in the tech center in Denver. And people come in, you know, witty banter, whatever. You gotta get on stage. You gotta get on stage. So, we had a uh, a, par, a toga party at my house, and everybody that I knew came over and sat in the backyard. And I did, I did about a half hour worth of material. And oh, it was great. You gotta keep doing it. So we started a comedy night at the bar uh, that I worked at, and it was just, it was bad, like not good at all. And then Bob Metals, I don't know, I assume he's been. Through not, here, not, not yet. yet. Is that no, right? Uh -uh. That guy's got to start getting out more. But yeah. he uh, he started about the same time I did, which would have been I think 2004. Okay. And uh, he's like, I got a paying gig 
it's in Gunnison. He's like, can you, he's like, I, I don't have enough to headline. Can you headline? And, you know, we're doing five-minute sets at all the crappy little mics around town. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's like, you got 45 minutes? I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to stretch my legs. Let's do this. <laughs> Finally. And we, we drove down there. We split two, I think we split 250 between the two of us. They put us up for two nights, and it was a bowling alley that had been condemned from the bowling alley down so that it would just walled off the lanes. And it was, we did Friday, Saturday, and we showed up to drink a beer, and there were, I don't know, 15 locals, and the guy was, and, and everybody's like, oh, you guys are the comedians? Are you going to do any Andrew Dice Clay? And they're like, yeah, you should do some Dice Clay while you're up there. And we're just both looking at each other like, what, we what? We're, thought we were supposed to write our stuff. We should have, you know, did that. And then the second night, Bob goes up again. And they, it's the same group of people, and they're finishing his jokes, right. heckling him. And I'm like, well, I got to do something different here. So I threw in a bunch of different stuff and had it all written out. And that was, you know, I, hours worth of material that I may have five minutes that made the cut through oh the years. God. And it's like, this was the crap that I was, you know, playing off as comedy. And right, like, right. God bless me i'm uh yeah and then 2005 i i hit my peak i think i got second at the new faces contest nice. uh at the comedy works to uh, adam kate and holland oh my gosh yeah who still hasn't called me back since that contest <laughs> he's still around doing stuff oh yeah, yeah he's doing all right i think <laughs> he got a second season uh on their uh, right. their little tv show i don't remember the name of it <laughs> I'm sure it's. I'm sure they're doing fine though, <laughs> with that. Um, but yeah, no. And then just been downhill from there. <laughs> so, so going back to the the toga party, doing a half yeah. an hour. Did yeah. you did you prepare for that, or did it just happen? Like, hey, get get up on stage and tell some jokes. Or? It was, uh, you know, it would. I read a book. A lady I was dating got me a book about you know what to do at, in comedy, and you know it's one of those. Was it the Judy Carter? Fail, I don't remember no. the name of it, but she printed it out. She got it on uh, an online book, printed it out at work, and gave it to me. And it was seventy pages of. Just, I mean, looking back now to what I read, it's like this is this guy is just ripping people off at you know four ninety nine a piece to <laughs> tell them to you know just you know be diligent. It's not going to happen overnight, right? Right, right. They said write stuff down. The only thing I took was write stuff down, uh, cut out a lot of the crap, and save a lot of money before you start because you're not going to make anything for the first you know ten fifteen years. Which, if I would have started saving then, I would have been in real good shape now, moving forward. Uh, but so I had I had a, a whole set list written out word for word. I had it memorized, and that was how I did comedy for probably the first four or five years. It was you know hecklers over here. It was more of a I don't, I don't know how to respond to that and just focus over here <laughs> yeah. and just just go. This is you go to the next show. Go to the next show. I don't I don't know how to. <laughs> right. I, I can't I can't deviate or yeah. I'll be lost. And so when were you able to kind of snap out of that? Um, ah, geez, it's been. I want to say probably five five six years ago. It was kind of you know. I started doing more headliner sets to where um, I was I was doing 45 minutes and it was uh, you know I'm trying to work new material and all that stuff and then uh, it's oddly enough the uh, the ex-wife helped a lot with that because I had a half hour set 
start to finish everything flowed perfectly it went from my drinking to where i grew up to dating to marriage and walk off yeah, uh, yeah. you know to a standing ovation every time and i had a half hour and it was perfect it was beautiful i was polishing my turd it was shining wonderfully and then the marriage went to hell and then it was kind of like well now what do i do i can't i don't want to get up there and you know talk about being married happily for you know 20 minutes and then miss out on all the exotic groupies that come to see you <laughs> after the shows so there was a you know deep depression which helps fuel the comedy i don't say it's deep but it was like hot now what do i do now right you know right. i'm like i don't i don't want to you know it's funny now looking back writing yeah. jokes about that but then it's like this sucks you know yeah <laughs> like, well, you know what it's interesting that you say that because i went through the same thing i went through a divorce uh, kind of at the tail end of when same, i was doing yeah same comedy. girl i remember same girl, exactly. <laughs> it was a weird time for both yeah. of us but but i mean it was funny because a lot of my material was about being married with children and, and kind of to your point is just the authenticity of getting up there the jokes themselves yeah. would have done fine no doubt I, I, I had done them before and they were going to do just fine but I couldn't bring myself to, to do that act. Yeah, there was just no conviction behind the exactly, joke anymore. Yeah. And it just, it sucks because a lot of them were good. Right. And I was like, God, I hope my next marriage is miserable too so I can just recycle some of this <laughs> right. stuff. Like, dang it. That'd be, that'd be the, that's the dream, right? So, so what was that transition so, like for you in terms of kind of coming to grips with my life has changed, now my act is going to change? It sucked a lot because for, I don't know, a year or two during the whole process, it was, I, you know, I, it was, I didn't know, I didn't know how to talk about it on stage without, you know, being vindictive or, you know, sad and just, you know, yo, let's depress the hell out of the audience right, before right. the night. Hey, here's your next comedian. Yeah, I'm going to go blow my brains out. <laughs> right. So I wait for this alimony yeah. payment to, you know, clear my account. But it was just, it was, I don't know, I guess, it's, you know, it's a growing process and it makes you a better comedian, I guess, going through that adversity. Because now, you know, I still have this, I, I've, I've taken that material that I used to clothe the strong clothes or all that stuff, you know, the map and, and, and that's moved to the middle. Um, and I can, you know, I can joke about it now, you right, know, right. I've, I've added some, you know, a little bit of a, a satire to the process of the divorce. Um, and then it forces you cause it forces you to write new stuff. Cause like there's 20 minutes of my half hour that where, yeah, I can't right. do. I know I got to fill it in. Um, so it was about a, around that time where I had to retool the whole half hour because I was mostly only doing feature work at the time. And so now I've, I had, you know, I got that polished turd and then I've had to come up with a new half hour or, you know, 25 of the half hour. So now I, you know, I have all that material, all the old material that I can kind of reach back to. So now it's, uh, okay, this is going horribly wrong. I can change directions now on stage instead of shit this is what i got uh yeah, i have yeah. to keep going because i did uh one of the worst gigs i was at uh pier south dakota a buddy of mine was with the bureau of uh the, the better business bureau wanted to do a comedy show at their art festival and he's like it's a beer tent it's 10 o'clock at night it's closed to children he's like we want you to do 45 minutes no problem so and it's a low budget i guess we're getting 50 bucks and it was a 10 hour drive back oh, to my gosh. home state and he is like but we're gonna work we're gonna work the concert as security while you're here too so we get free beer all weekend 
I was like, that's awesome. Let's just do that. So I go back. Not to interrupt your story, but security is getting free beer? Yeah, right. Right. So it's a concert. There's three of us uh, on either side of the stage, and no one in the audience has any beer because they're all underage, and we're sitting there drinking beer. (laughs) We got this. We got this. Listen, and the guy's like, can I have some of your beer? I'm like, you're too young. Listen, I'm a professional. You guys need to back up behind the line. And, you know, you get... 40, 50 screaming rednecks in a crowd. <laughs> right. It gets raucous to yeah, say that, yeah, yeah. you know, especially underage. Uh, <laughs> so they get there and we're serving beer. We also have to serve beer at the beer tent too before the concert. And it's 730. It's like, are you ready to go on? And it's daylight out. There are kids running through the tent. There might be, there might be 20 people in the tent. And I was like, why? Well, I'm like, I don't know if this is like, no, no, you're going to be fine. You'll be fine. I get up there. I start doing my set and I've got 45 and that's all I got. So it's start, look straight forward, go. Yeah. No deviation, no nothing. And at one point during my set, a cop had asked my friend if he could stop me from <laughs> keep continuing. Oh God. And I mean, kids are running in and they're like, what the hell is a dirty Sanchez? Like, go ask your mom. I don't oh know. I don't know. God. It wasn't quite that bad, but it was, it was a lot of like, what is he talking about? How, how far into your career were you in this? Um, this would have been, uh, like 2007, somewhere in oh there. So I was three, four years in at this point yeah, yeah. and it was like, oh, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to go back to, you know, relatively where I grew up and just wow these people. Right, and, right. <laughs> and then I don't think they've had comedy back there, but it's going to be a great footloose story where I come back later <laughs> right. in my life and I bring comedy back there and they're like, we're not allowed to laugh here. Oh, and I'm cr- like, ah, oh, we got to break we, the cycle. It comes up a lot on this podcast where there's... There's sort of a masochistic quality to stand-up comedy where most comedians, at, at no matter what level that they're at, if there's a gig, they're going to say yes and then figure out how to do it. Yeah. And then if they go to the gig and it's the beer tent at 7 o'clock and it's a nightmare, when the next offer comes up, they're going to say yes again. Oh, yeah. So what is it Can't, about right? stand-up? Why do you continue to, to do it when you... And not that other art forms don't have the same challenges, but I think stand-up is unique, where you're going into a situation where people are like, why is this guy on stage yeah. talking? How did Yeah, how did this guy exactly. get hired to talk yeah, to me? Yeah, so what do you think it is about this for you personally that's like, yep, I'm going to keep doing it. I've done it for 12 years now. I get, I, well, part of it's you've already heard, you know, guys that you look up to, your mentors in the business tell you the horror stories of what they went through. So you're like, this is just part of it. You know, yeah. this is just my journey. This is going to happen. And, you know, because then, like, when you started out in Denver, you do, you know, whatever JD McMuffin's Coffee Bistro on Thursday, you know, right, and right. you do 10 minutes to people who are like, what the fuck is going on here? Right. I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to read my book and some guy's talking about back alley abortions. And then the next guy, he did the same, why well, they write in the same day? And if you do those crappy gigs and then you get your, your comedy works four minute set and you go down there and the audience just just throws their admiration and love at you and you just feel like you're that can do nothing wrong in comedy yeah and you're like i want i want that feeling again and i gotta go to pierce south dakota to get it then i'll be damned if i'm gonna go to pierce south dakota to get it you know yeah, it's just yeah. I, I don't know it's just that it's the adrenaline rush it's just i don't know how it just makes you feel I don't know, good that you're 
you know, because life sucks a lot of the times, you know, and I sit there, I watch comedy, and I'm like, this is fantastic. I don't think about anything. You laugh. You don't remember half the stuff the guy said, or 90% of what the guy said, and the 10% you remember, you butcher repeating it. But it was just this, that the experience hour itself of your was, life yeah. where you were just, nothing was wrong, just pure bliss, and you just feel great. And you're like, if that's something, if, if I can do that, you know, or on some level, then I'm in. If and and they pay me too, I want to be. I want to do that. That's oh, what, man, that's, I want, that's I want to be that guy. That's perfect. That, that that's probably the best sentiment I've heard. I think oh. a lot of comics have that same idea, where the work that they do is important because it does give give people yeah. an outlet to forget about how shitty life can be. But just the way you put oh, it, that's such oh. a, a beautiful way of looking at it, you it's know? It's so, I, and I, well, I'm in, in the transit. I, two years ago, I quit my day job, and I'm full-time as a comedian now. I'm like, okay, all right, now what do I do? Yeah, <laughs> I was yeah, like, yeah. okay, now I got to, oh, shit. Well, yeah, that's actually a good segue. <laughs> so what does that mean for you? How did that change your, your outlook on comedy and how you approach it? Um, now it's uh, more of a, a nervous energy like I don't know how the hell I'm gonna you know I gotta get booked but I still have to pay my bills here too so basically it just took the security of the full-time job away and then I just started picking up all sorts of you know uh, labor here and there so <laughs> I didn't actually quit working any more than I had before yeah but you know in my back of my mind I'm like I'm moving forward now because right, comedy first because I, yeah, I don't have the man to answer to 40 hours a week yeah and I can do that uh, and then you know t about a year and a half later now I'm like okay now I need to actually focus on this because you know I was like I can I'm 36 I'm like eventually I'm probably gonna have to just break down and get a day job, but until then, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for it, you know. Yeah. And it's been a lot more of uh, networking, I guess. I've done a couple of festivals outside of Colorado, which are, you know, as soon as you get there, you're like, well, this was a waste of my time, but I'm here, absorb it, you know, make some contacts. Um, so I'm booking more out on the road. I'm, uh, you know, I'm a, a, like a, a actual regular at Comedy Works to where I'll get, you know, two, three, four sets a week down there uh, to where you meet more people. And it's just, and it is, it's like a, a good old boys club, you know. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll tell so-and-so that, you know, I'll vouch for you. Right, right. So it's just uh, it's just knowing who's asked to kiss a lot as, as to be a full time comedian. Yeah, and because it's like here at Looney's, I was here 2010, and then hey, hey, I've got some available dates. Can you get me in there? No response. No response. You're emailing the wrong guy. Well, who do I need to email? <laughs> he doesn't. He's been booking this for years, and I was like, well, that's okay. And then, <laughs> Well, who who who's ignoring emails now? I'll talk to that guy. Because <laughs> right. it wasn't until I had a friend, uh, Todd Johnson. He comes through Denver every once in a while. He you know he started out a little bit of his comedy there, and luckily, we you know we're good enough friends where he asked to stay at my place when yeah. he's there. And he was just here in April, and he talked uh, to management and said, "Hey, you need to get this guy in here." And then he called me, and he's like, "Yeah, email me and let me know." And then. So I email him. I don't hear anything for three days. I'm like, okay, no, I'm like, this sucks. So it took, you know, one of those contacts to get back in to somebody else. Like, I live 
40 miles from here. Right, I should right. be, you know, I got time. I don't get great gas mileage, but, I, you know, <laughs> it's a sacrifice you got to make. Well, but. I think a lot of people have the misconception that comedians work 45 minutes a day on stage. Yeah. And the rest of the time, they're either writing yeah. or they're watching TV or watching movies. Yeah. And I think the business aspect of it is is lost on people who aren't part of this world. And so, how how are you kind of getting your arms around yeah. your managing Talon Saucerman's career, and and what does that look like or feel like for you? And do you enjoy that it's, part of it? On some level, like the last time I did uh, the Wits End before they shut down, um, I worked with a guy named Willie Barclaya, Willie Barcia. Anyway. Never heard of the guy before. I worked with him. Great guy today. He was working on his fifth uh, special for Showtime. I was like, what the hell? So he's doing all new material. This is back when I saw my polished turd, so I was actually looked good on stage. Right, right. And we're talking to him after the show, and he's like, you got to write at least two hours a day. And I was like, that sounds like a job. I'm like, I don't know. That's not. He's like, no, I, I don't do it. <laughs> he's like, just write. Write down whatever you're thinking. Just write a story. And then go back and just cherry pick it and go through that, write what's on TV, whatever, you know, observational humor, whatever it is, just write and pick out little funny bits. And that's the hardest part is just sitting down to write because, you know, you sit down, all right, all right I got 40 minutes, I need to write 40 minutes on hemorrhoids, go. You know, right. and it is, it, I don't, it, I don't, I don't, it doesn't work like that. You know, I'm not a, a great out of the box thinker. So, most of the writing I do, which is not to say like is when I'm driving, like something will come to my mind. So, you know, don't text and drive. That's not safe. So I've got an old you know, Excel bill from my passenger seat, right. and I'm writing as I'm looking up between stop and go traffic on I-25, just trying to get this bit worked out. Just a couple out. words down. Though. And I'll write, you know, a 15 minute bit and go back later and be like, well, that's. Still, oh, there's a decent punchline there yeah. to do. Um, and then it's, you know, the other side of it is trying to, you know, just keep just beating on bookers to get sets. You know, I'm going to be here. What do you got in the area? Well, oh, you're going to be in Idaho? We got a job in Kansas. Can you swing? I was like, that's okay. Because <laughs> yeah. I've got, I talked to a couple people. I'm out in Boise the second week of September. And, uh, they're like, well, we've got, you know, I got two shows in Seattle, Tuesday, Wednesday, and I got Boise Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And I was like, oh, that's pretty close. And so I'm going through my map itinerary. I was like, that's that's eight hours away. And I was like, this is the closest I can get. And I was like, well, what the hell? I'm not going to be out, you know, that close to Seattle anytime soon for yeah. a, a Tuesday, Wednesday. <laughs> right, which, right. Which, you know, are great gigs, too. I don't want to take away from the Tuesday casino night. And muckle shoot. <laughs> well, and like you kid? said, you just never know. That there's an element of, you know, stand-up comedy is a ton of work, no doubt about it. And then there's also an element of luck and timing. So you could yeah. do this Tuesday gig in Seattle, and there's a booker sitting in the crowd, or there's a comic who needs somebody to, to go on the road with him. So unless you're out there putting yourself in a position to be seen... yeah. You just don't know, and even loonies for that matter. You come and you're working with a, you know, Kristen Key, who's a national touring headliner, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. What is that connection going to mean for you, and all that sort of stuff? That's the thing. It's like you know, you said, right place, right time. You yeah. never know. Like uh, John Novostat, Hippie Man. Absolutely, uh, yeah. He was uh, he opened for Craig Ferguson at Comedy Works, and then Craig said, 
I, I this I got to get this guy on my show. Right. You know. Yeah. So hippie man, you know, he doesn't feel like doing comedy that Friday night. Doesn't sign up. Exactly. Never meets Mr. Ferguson. Yeah. You know. And well, and didn't he just win the Laughing Skull yeah. Comedy Festival or something? Out in, yeah, in Atlanta this last weekend. Yeah. He was out. The, I did a, a show in Laughlin uh, with him, too, nice. last October, and he won that as well. Um, so he's doing, you know, yeah, the guy's doing great. It's right. one of those things. It's like, how do you, and it's, you see that, you want to be that, and it's like, this guy's got, you know, 20 years experience at on least, you. At least, at least. And it's like, fuck, I really got to pay my dues? This sucks <laughs> like, i don't want to work on my timing <laughs> you know well that being said what is your and this sounds like kind of an adult like i'm your dad asking you this question <laughs> but what what are your goals i mean what do you see like 10 years from now if you could look back and say yeah this this is what i want to be doing it's one of those deals it's like my day job is mostly manual labor because i hearken back to the uh, uh the caddyshack where the guy's like you're talking to the judge and he's like well my grades aren't that good and the judge said well the world needs ditch diggers too son right. and while i'm doing my day job i'm like i don't want to do this the rest right. of my life i was like i know what i want to do i don't know how to get there yeah. just yet you know and that's what sucks i'm like i i want to i want to be able to and it's one of those things like you know, I want to be rich and famous. I want to be nationally known, whatever. There's so many guys doing comedy that make a great living knowing you'd have, like everybody I ever worked with at uh, Wits End. It was, uh, you know, absolutely. Who yeah. The hell is, you know, who's this guy? Yeah. But they're, you know, making decent money or they would, well, I, I used to think they're making decent money or they wouldn't still be doing it. Right. 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 <laughs> Enough to get to the next town, I guess. And, and uh, it's one of those things like if this can be, if this can be my career, that would be fantastic, you know, because there's so many guys I know that are, you know, the next echelon up, I guess, from where I'm at. And uh, they're like, you know, we're pulling down six figures, you know, we're, right. you know, we're working, you know, you work, you have to travel for your job, but then, you know, you got four days off, you come home, you hang out with, you know, if you got the wife and the kids, whatever, the yep. dogs and, you know, and you're enjoying your life too. And there's so many people that just hate their lives. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's like, if you have a chance to do, cause anytime, anything you do for a long enough period of time, you're just you get burnt out you get into a rut and it sucks and so you know i'm looking forward to that day where i'm like god i gotta go headline harris out in vegas again this sucks and third month in a row oh just <laughs> you gotta do autographs and get the oh, picture done my yeah. god this is the fans and the hookers this is getting <laughs> out of control you know it's one of those things like i can't wait to be tired of doing comedy yeah like every other job i've ever had that just you just resent getting up and going to and it's like this may be the one thing that i don't find myself resenting right you know 20 years from now if it all pans out well and i think part of that too is the the ownership of what you're doing this is your thing you're not working for a corporation you're not doing mindless work where it's like i don't know what the point of this is yeah everything that you do i i think a lot of comedians or just artists in general lose sight of the fact that you're an entrepreneur you're yeah. building your business and so to me there's there's excitement and passion in the fact that hey this is my thing yeah every word that you hear on stage is coming from talent yeah. saucerman and there's something beautiful about that it's your baby exactly right it's yeah. just it's so exciting to yeah hear. love it hate it whatever you you know that hey my heart and soul is in every word yeah. i'm saying up here so 
It's one of like the, all the guys, the catchphrase, all the famous comedians, you know, and you hear people repeat their jokes right. out there, and you're just like, yeah, you know, that I want that. I want somebody to to take that from my and just butcher it as horribly as this <laughs> right. guy's doing, <laughs> right? And, in a in a crappy bar setting, but they're uh, like that guy. It stuck with that guy, and it made his life better. And then he thinks back to when he heard that. And that's and it's I don't know. There's a sense of pride there. Yeah. Knowing that I don't know. It's a lot of it's ego too. I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there, that, there's nothing wrong with that. I think ego's got kind of a negative connotation for some reason. I think when ego slips into arrogance, that's when it gets a little yeah. dicey. But ego, in terms of pride, to me, that's a powerful thing. There's so many wonderful hipster comedians that I don't do enough of their shows to actually worry about not getting blacklisted from their shows, but. <laughs> It's just one of those, like, uh, I don't care if anybody gets this joke. And I'm like, it's, that's horrible. I'm like, you want your audience to understand what the hell you're talking about. Absolutely, yeah. And I was like, I don't care if I ever make it big. Like when the, the, the Growlings, you know, got their show picked up and they're moving out. Not great friends with them. I know who all they are. They'd probably throw water on me if I was on fire. You know, they're not going out of their way to yeah, get yeah. me on their show or anything. Great guys. Any experience I've had with them, wonderful. And there was just like Facebook feeds, which I read sparingly for about five minutes on the toilet in the morning. But if it hits <laughs> the, my page right then, I will see what it is. And there's just so many people just, oh, these guys sold out. They're abandoning Denver. And it's like... You have three of your peers that right. that did something, that they made something that bought mainstream or getting paid to do exactly what they wanted to do. Right. And, and now they're sellouts for leaving Denver because they have to to film their TV show. Yeah. It's like, why, why is that guy a sellout? Why can't that guy just be successful and you just be happy for the guy? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> well, and the amount of effort and work and time that went into that for all three of those guys, this wasn't... Yeah. You know, just a, yeah. hey, we wrote this thing and somebody bought it. I mean, my God, they yeah. worked on that for a long time. Yeah. They worked on the Grolic shows for years. Yeah. I wrote this, whatever. Exactly, yeah. yeah. If you guys like it or not, we don't care. Right. It's like, hey, we did this. We worked on this. We redid this. And then we rewrote it again. And yep. then we gave it to somebody. And then they told us to rewrite it again yep. and again. And it's just... I, I don't know. It's just so much work put into it that they're yeah. not that they're actually now seeing a return on it right. is just amazing. You know how how long's a run last? Nobody has any idea. Exactly. But. Well, and I think that's comparable to the work ethic you were talking about as far as playing a you know the beer tent in South Dakota or playing yeah. loonies on a Thursday night in Colorado Springs. All of this is part of that portfolio you're building where it's like, I'm paying my dues, man. This yeah. is part of the process. Yeah. There's so many, yeah. I, it's like, okay, I got this new joke. I want to try right, it tonight. And, right. and like, well, that didn't work out. Oh, I, I didn't say this right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I changed this. If I say, uh, you know, Chinaman instead of, you know, the gook neighbor I had, you know, <laughs> you know, that will hit better with the audience. I genuinely <laughs> hope that's not the new joke you're working on tonight. We do have some wonderful Chinaman humor uh, <laughs> if you're hearing this Colorado Springs. We're doing. Well, one thing you had touched on earlier is uh, Wits End, which was, in my opinion, a great club up in Westminster. And I was really, really disappointed when that when that closed. Yeah. And I think the, the level of Wits End is comparable to Looney's and, and not a knock against either club, but I think there's as sort of second-tier comedy clubs. And to your point, the headliners who come through here 
chances are you've never heard of them, but you're going to have a great show. No yeah. doubt about it. And so I think that there's something, and that was part of my motivation for starting this podcast, is to, to shine just a tiny bit of light on road comics where you don't know who these people are, but my God, if you come and watch them for yeah. 45 minutes, you're going to laugh your ass off, no doubt about it. There's a, there's always a level of, you know, you do these shows, one-nighters, wherever, and they're like, God, a guy last month was horrible. We almost never came back, and it's, it's, it is hit or miss Absolutely, because yeah. comedy is subjective on yep. every level. And you get the you know the downtown com- comedians in Denver, and you know they're killing it on their hipster scene. And then throw them you in Alliance, yeah, Nebraska. <laughs> it, it, what what happens then? You yeah. know, it's a whole nother school of thought. And uh, huh? what? How long do you have? What about that? Yeah, because I'm gonna shorten the shit out of the show. Okay. So I'm gonna have him do like five six minutes. I'm gonna have you do maybe twelve or something like that. Okay. So. Sure. So. We'll be ready here. Thanks, Lauren. Uh, we can edit this, right? That's a, it's an editing. Yeah, yeah, we'll, cut it. we'll cut that shit. <laughs> idiot. So, so no, it, it, it's one of those things. It's like, it's just, you know, so many, like, it's comedy. You know, who's this guy? I don't know. Let's right. go. You know, but go see. Like, exactly. I, there's so, the chances of seeing a bad show are little to nothing. It's just, you know, and when you're in one of those small towns, it's the only thing to do, too. So right, you right. generally draw a crowd either way. This child's shocked. Uh, next week, next month, we'll go see him anyways. Oh, that guy sucked, too. But hey, next month. <laughs> right. But with these things, like, it's just, I lo- and growing up, in, you know, in a, a, you know, a second, a B club, I guess, if you call it. I mean, I, there's so many guys that do their set and leave. And I just love watching the headliner do the same set five times in a row yeah. and just seeing or almost the same set and just watching you know the way they deliver it if it's Friday night second show which is generally a shitty crowd right to see how they plug through that and just and it's so you know for me I love doing it you know I hope to be the guy that other people watch one day too and be like okay this is who I need to be yeah just because I've picked it up I've learned from you know the greats you know right right and actually being a student of comedy yeah like you said watching Thursday night versus Saturday night versus yeah. Friday Late Show or whatever. Because with the 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 wonderful comedy channel that doesn't come through FM here in uh, Colorado Springs uh, that we get in Denver <laughs> on 1031, <laughs> uh, Billy D. Washington, uh, he's been through, I worked with him a couple of times. Great guy, you know, not a big name headliner across America, but he's talking about when he started out uh, outside of LA, he's opening for somebody, and Mitch Hedberg is a feature. And the club owner's like, I don't get this guy. You right. know, we're going to get rid of him. You know, he's going to open, you're going to feature. And he's like, no, this guy is he was like, trust me, this guy That's is great. Crazy. Like, and, you know, he's talked about how he talked the owner into letting him stay and finish the week. Yeah. And then he went on to be Mitch Hedberg. Right, right. <laughs> and oh, it's that's like, crazy. Oh, he's like, so he's like, that's my Mitch Hedberg story. I did that. I saved Mitch Hedberg's career. And <laughs> that's like, awesome. I was like, you might have, you know. Right, right. You know, Certainly the, part of it. Yeah, for sure. The, the old butterfly flaps its wings and, <laughs> right, you know, right. kills a gorilla in a zoo. I think that's how that ends, yeah. <laughs> All right, Talon, that's a so, weird place to end, but apparently <laughs> You've got a show to do tonight. Absolutely, it was a pleasure catching up with you, man. Oh, I wish yes. you uh, wish you nothing but the best. And we uh, should, yeah, we we'll do this again in eight years. Exactly, enjoy your weekend here, at Looney's. <laughs> All right, thank you. Right, go tell jokes. Appreciate it.
So there you have it, stand-up comedian and all-around good guy, Talon Saucerman. Uh, he and I hadn't seen each other for many years, so it was great to catch up. Uh, and as you can tell, toward the end of the episode, we were coming right up against showtime. So my thanks to Talon for taking time out to be on the show. My thanks to Eric and the folks at Looney's Comedy Corner for their continued support. And as always, thank you for listening to In the Springs. Our audience continues to grow, and I'll keep doing these things if you guys keep listening. Until next time, I'm Ryan Lowry, and we'll see you again right here in the Springs. (laughs) 